Welcome back, everyone. This is The Change Log, and I'm your host, Adam Stukoviak. This is episode 175, and on today's show, I'm joined by Rachel Romeliotis, the Strategic Content Director at O'Reilly Media. She's also the Programming Chair for OzCon and also O'Reilly's Software Architecture Conference. Great show today with Rachel. A lot of deep dive into open source, open source at O'Reilly, and all the fun they've had for the past 18 years with OzCon. We had four awesome sponsors, Codeship, TopTow, DigitalOcean, and Imagix. Our first sponsor of the show is Codeship. They've launched a brand new feature called Organizations, and now you can create teams. You can set permissions for specific team members and improve collaboration in your continuous delivery workflows. Maintain centralized control over your organization's projects and teams with this new feature and save 20% off any premium plan you choose for three months by using our code, the ChangeLaw Podcast. Once again, the ChangeLaw Podcast will save 20% off any plan you choose for three months. Head to codeship.com slash the ChangeLaw get started. And now on to the show. I am here with Rachel Romeliotis. Rachel is the strategic content director at O'Reilly Media. She's also the programming chair for OSCON and another awesome O'Reilly conference called Software Architecture Conference. So Rachel, it's uh, it's been awesome to chat with you before all this, but I'm so glad you're here at the show. So welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. We've been, um, I guess we can maybe even open this show with telling the world that we're, that the changelog is newly an O'Reilly partner, which is kind of exciting. Absolutely. It's great. What, uh, what part do you play in that partnership program that uh, O'Reilly has? Well, I guess I play whatever part they want me to. <laughs> so we, you know, the partner program is really a fantastic way we can uh, talk with people who do podcasts, people who are part of meetups. It's a way for us to communicate with them the content that we have that we want them um, to get out to the people that we hope uh, really need it. It's kind of, it's a two-way street, I think of it as. We're creating a street team of people that can go out and, you know, talk about what we have to offer. And then hopefully we're giving out some information for free. Uh, you know, it's, uh, books, it's pieces of video. Uh, I know we give away, um, tickets to some of our conferences. So we've found that by creating a partner center, it kind of standardizes a little bit for us and we're able to put out a wide variety of content to, so that there's something for everybody. Yeah. I've been really interested in in what it uh, is going to do for us because I think it's it's definitely a partnership and definitely a, a fun way to approach what we're already doing. Mm-hmm. And I think I was telling, um, geez, I've talked to so many people from O'Reilly recently. I can't remember who <laughs> I was talking to. I think it was Jenny and mm-hmm. I can't remember the other person's name right now. But uh, I'm I'm sad about that. Um, but I was saying how excited we were because, you know who doesn't know O'Reilly and who doesn't like the things and stuff that O'Reilly does. And sure. she was like, that's very interesting that you say that like that. And I was like, well, that's how I feel. You know, we, who doesn't know O'Reilly and how couldn't we, you know, love what you do. So, well, I'm, I'm happy you feel that way because I, I too feel that way. And I want to make sure that that's something we continue to do over time. And and that changes and how we can do that. Right. Well, that's not where things began, though, for you. I mean, like like all of us, we've started somewhere, and I can't imagine your first job out of anything was O'Reilly Media. So where did things begin for you? Like, you're 
strategic content director. I'm yes. not really sure exactly what that breaks down to be, but I'd love to, you know, help us understand who you are and help tell your story to that got you to where you're at today with O'Reilly and what you're doing for OzCon and the Software Architecture Conference. Sure. So I, I always like to start with uh, how I went to college at NYU for acting and um, English. So I was really thinking, how can I create a stable job for myself? And then after a few years uh, of not getting that stable job, I thought, you know, I really like books, like a lot of people that you'll find in uh, publishing. And I ended up... Um, putting together, uh, you know, a resume that somehow got me in the door at a technical publisher called Elsevier. And so I actually, I got in there into the sales group, some reorg happened, I was gone a month after that, and then somehow got back in as editorial, which was really what I wanted to do anyways. And I was in the um, electrical engineering area. And I think what I really liked about it at first was that I kind of had to figure out a problem. To me, it was a problem that I had to figure out what the audience needed. Now, of course, I started out as an editorial assistant. And so that wasn't the big, like, I, that wasn't my problem to solve right away. But I saw that that was the problem that needed to be answered kind of on a continuous basis as things changed in technology. And so I really liked not necessarily even having a really, really deep understanding of, say, optical engineering, but trying to talk to people and figure out how we could actually help them and, and move that field forward. And so I, you know, went up the ranks in Elsevier. I, I covered uh, different types of electrical engineering, embedded engineering, went over to uh, do some computer security stuff with an imprint called Syngris, and then moved over to... Morgan Kaufman, who does um, some computing publishing, more on the theoretical side, though not completely, and um, looked at UX and artificial intelligence and stuff like that. And so it was during that time that I really, that was about seven years, and uh, that I really started to, you know, we look at the competition, obviously, and I would come up against O'Reilly, and I'd be like, oh, they're selling more than us. <laughs> and uh, That's so funny. Yeah. Well, and actually, I should point out one other thing. So way before that, you know, I would go to Barnes & Noble all the time, just looking for books. And, and even, you know, 10 years ago, there were a lot more books, computer books in um, the brick and mortar stores. And so I, I actually remember seeing the O'Reilly books. So it's interesting how the animals make an impression, even if you're not in that field. I think, you know, it was the time when everyone was like, let's make websites. Uh, so I think I, I knew O'Reilly from back then. But on a professional level, I, um, you know, I saw them, they kept coming up, they were doing good. And, and it just seemed like they were a little bit different than the other publishers, even that, you know, that I worked for or that we came up against or we met at conferences. And so, you know, at a certain point I was like, okay, you know, time for me to move on. Where do I want to go? And I thought O'Reilly. And thankfully they hired me. And I've been here a little more than four years. And, and everything that I thought about O'Reilly before I got here was true. And it's gone beyond that. I know that sounds like I love O'Reilly, but I guess I do. Uh, so basically the idea that O'Reilly didn't just sort of, and this is, I guess this isn't completely true about publishing, but in a very simplified version of it, you know, taking, working with people in the community, taking that knowledge and then selling it back. 
to that same community. Right. I felt, I, and this was before I even got in, and I, I still believe it's true, that O'Reilly really is part of that community. Like, in, in many different ways. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And I, I feel that we're doing that. And I feel like that's something that is really important to us. We're still a business, of course. But we we really do think about, you know, how can we help people, um, you know, on a daily basis? How are people learning now? Um, you know, like print books was the big thing before. Now, you know, then it went to um, digital books. Now it seems like people are looking at videos and maybe going to conferences and maybe it's not one thing it's a multitude of things or it depends what you're learning and so we're changing with the times so that we can do that um another aspect i guess of that is i mean thinking about things like the democratization of coding you know like in the 90s i don't think anyone was like i'm gonna go check out this html even you know what i mean and, right. and change that around and now people do that uh, and so how does that affect us? Do we, you know, work on putting together some content where we try to get into, you know, the AP level stuff at school? So it, it's an ongoing thing, you know, and it's, it's, there's lots of different places to go, I think, with that content. And, and what I like about O'Reilly, I guess this goes a little bit beyond my background, but what I like is that we keep trying things and keep trying different things. And we are not, I wouldn't even call us a publisher anymore. We're definitely a media company. Hmm. So, so you're finally um, filling out your, your, the tail end of your business name, which is O'Reilly Media. Yes, exactly. So, so yeah, so here, you know, I um, hopefully, you know, um, really enjoyed what I was working on, worked hard, started actually in the Microsoft space, speaking of um, not open source, although they've become open source over the time, um, mostly that I've been here. Um Started in the Microsoft space, you know, just really took to sort of like the whole uh, programming languages stuff, um, you know, went up the ranks and became strategic content director uh, for programming. So let me explain what that is. Um, and it's not a static thing, of course, but uh, so always changing. Like yes, everything. which yeah. again is, is really cool, I think. Um, so I run a team in editorial, which again, editorial seems to be... Um, becoming an antiquated term because I feel like it's so much more than that. It's so I run a team of people, let's say that some of them go out and um, including myself, go out and talk to people in different areas and figure out, um, you know, what they're doing, what they need, what are the pain points. And sometimes we talk to certain people and we figure out, you know, they really have something to say, like whether it's at one of our conferences, another conference, uh, blog post and we find that they have something to say and it's something that will you know a best practice or something say and we'll talk to them and we'll we'll talk to them no longer about you know hey do you want to do a book with us but like how can we work with you to take what you have to say and amplify it and mm -hmm. that might mean you know giving a session at OzCon. It might mean, uh, it might mean doing a book. It might mean uh, doing a webcast. Usually it means a bunch of things. <laughs> so working together with people and then figuring out, um, so that's one, right? Then taking something, you know, an idea or a person and figuring out, okay, what's, what's beside that? What's more advanced? What's before that? And sort of stitching together this, this network 
of people and ideas and topics and, um, you know, anywhere from like basic stuff that wouldn't change that often to cutting edge stuff that may fall off the face of the earth tomorrow. Um, so working with my team to basically figure that out. And then in some cases, like you were saying, software architecture, I'll sort of do that role a little bit myself. So figuring that out um, and then also working with, we have, we still do have development editors that work on uh, the books and the videos uh, and to some extent the webcasts and helping to, to flesh out those ideas. It's not like, great job, come work with us. And then we're like, let us know when you're done. So we actually, um, we work with the person to figure out um, how best to explain something or present it depending on the, the medium. And then I'm sure there's many other things, but the last thing I can think of that's sort of a big idea is um, that I'm also chair of OzCons, the two OzCons that we have this year, and um, Software Architecture uh, Conference that we just started this year as well. So those are sort of the the really big sort of bucket concrete things. I'm sure there's many other things and, and obviously like figuring out what to do in the future, uh, you know, and keeping an eye out like, Right now, one of the languages we're, we're keeping an eye on uh, is Rust. And so we, you know, we put together a plan for that. So we, earlier this year, we did a webcast. Um, we've had it, uh, we've had sessions at uh, OzCon. We're gonna have one at OzCon Amsterdam in October. We just put out a report called Why Rust, which is basically like, why would you even consider this? Why does it exist? And we're going to do a book and videos. And so the idea of, you know, seeing something that, you know, Rust, um, I guess at the most simplest level is kind of like C++ uh, with security. Um, seeing something that people are starting to use and how are they using it and how can we um, make sure people are using it well and um, and thinking about it. So, and, and that's a combination of free material that's out there and, um and stuff you can pay for. So it's interesting. It's interesting your take on the editorial piece too, because you had said that, uh, you know, you're no longer just a publishing company that you've expanded and you truly are a media company now mm -hmm. fleshing out and being the, the, the latter part of your business name and also coming to the table, you know, when it comes to new topics that are fresh to you or fresh mm -hmm. to the community that you're not just saying, okay, that's automatically a book. You know, it's, Definitely it's more like not. how can we best, help you explain is it a blog post on your own site that we promote is it a cross promotion through our own blog is it a video series is it you know how can we amplify this this message this new found message and you know help would-be programmers out there or developers out there get interested in a new topic or or educated in a new topic that's uh it's really an interesting take yeah and it, you know it's it's it can depend on the topic like, for instance, something with design, um, obviously would do better if you can see it. Or I know with the hardware, we did a, a video on Raspberry Pi where you could literally see the guy, you know, uh, putting the wires into the breadboard and stuff like that. So that's stuff you would just never be able to do in a book. So that's really fun. And I think the idea is that just people don't necessarily consume things in one way any longer. I think it depends on the person. I think it depends what the topic, um, but yeah. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it depends as time moves on. We see, you know, what, 
what makes sense or, or, I mean, we're continually learning. I mean, obviously we've been doing books for, you know, over 30 years. So I think we have a pretty good sense of what works in books. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're still learning what that is, you know, when we create um, something that's interactive or a video. And I think we're, we're still learning that. And I think that we've got some great things and I think that we can do even better. Um, conferences too. I mean, conferences, I think we have great conferences, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to change them. I mean, OzCon, for instance, we, um, the one we just had in Portland, uh, had a whole new track system. And so it used to be very much based on, here's the Python track, here's the Perl track, you know, PHP, whatever. Uh, and we really changed that to be, um, to be what we thought reflected what the programmer or the software engineer out there really dealt with, which was architecture, uh, performance, security. And then the, the secondary sort of, uh, tag that we gave it was like, oh, by the way, this will be in Python. Right. But but recognizing that developers, you know, it's kind of like there's so many tools. You pick the tool you like, or the pick the pick the tool that works the best. Um, but these issues that we're bringing up are the issues that most of the people are gonna have, and that's where we really want to help. What exactly is a programming chair? I know there's three of them on the OSCON team. Yes. Um, you know. Do you divide the responsibilities up individually? Do you attack it holistically? What is exactly is that role? And what do you do for uh, for Osgon? So it's been really fascinating. So it's been about a year since I became the Oscon chair. So I can give you a little sort of view of it, I guess, and maybe sort of like in my time. So last year, this time, you know, they're like, hey, we want you to do this. And I'm like, fantastic. And so when I first started, you know, there were um, chairs that were already there, Matthew McCullough, uh, Sarah Novotny, and Simon St. Laurent, who is uh, my colleague here at uh, O'Reilly. And so as a new chair, I just wanted to basically get all of the information that they had downloaded into my brain, which is a lot, and really doesn't happen instantaneously. So we start off, we talk about, you know, what was going on at the last OzCon, and we figure what worked, what didn't work. And and we had already been talking internally, maybe about switching things up and how they were presented. And this was something that, that did really start um, even before the last OSCON, not this one this year, but the one before. And so that's really the time, I guess, like maybe the three to four months after the event where we're thinking, okay, what do we want next year to be? So we're already thinking that. And then putting together taking those thoughts, figuring out how this event fits with the rest of our uh, content plan and, and the rest of sort of the, the software engineering world, and then trying to figure out how to put that succinctly, that idea of what we want next year to be, putting that succinctly into our call for papers. Um, and our call for papers certainly doesn't have to be like the final word, like that's the way it's going to be, but it's kind of gives us an early uh, deadline to say, okay, this is what we think it's going to look like. And so last, I think it must've been December-ish, last December-ish, that's when we put together like, okay, we're not going to do language tracks. We're going to do it like this. And so we put that out. We're responsible for like, kind of like figuring out what that bigger, program is going to be. Then we put out the call for papers. For OzCon, we get um, about 1,200 uh, proposals, which wow, is that's a lot. Uh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
so that's insane that would take you like how long to go through it's crazy and it's hard because oscon's super diverse right so you could never be um everything's interesting everything's interesting but also you couldn't be a super expert on everything or if you could let me know and come on and be on the committee but um but so basically that's when we do so we have a program committee and when we first started, the program committee, I think, is about 70 people for OzCon. And I was like, why do you need that many people? And then I figured out it's because we have 1,200 proposals. And we want to make sure that everything gets reviewed thoroughly. And so we have the 70 people plus the chairs, and they take a look at that content. And um, we rate it. And we put in um, we put in comments to make sure it isn't just like, this is a two, this is a five. You know, We really want to like have qualitative uh comments in there because say for instance something like docker which is obviously the hotness right now we could get 15 proposals you know what i mean and and it's hard to be able to you know read through all 15 of those you kind of have to put together a little like crib sheet on like this one did this and this did this and this is why we like this one so um so we do that we have a period where we're looking through everything at the end of that time the chairs will take a look at all of that, uh, basically everything that the program committee has done, and then put together the final program. So that's a combination of seeing sort of what rankings we've had, what um, how the tracks have matched up, say, for instance, like the architecture track would get, and this, these are not real numbers, but uh, say it got, you know, 250 uh, proposals, and say we did... Um, I don't know, like uh, a design track. And for whatever reason, it got 15. So then we're thinking, okay, maybe this this audience isn't too into design. Maybe we won't do that. And maybe we'll do, you know, uh, maybe we'll expand the architecture track to make it two days or whatever. So those are so those are the bigger sort of things. And then we actually literally go through everything and start to work through it and figure out like, what sessions are we going to accept? And so we do that. And then we have to schedule it, which is a beast, because the, last year we had 10 tracks. Uh, the year before, I think there were 15. <laughs> so wow. thankfully, yeah, there were 10 tracks. And so we actually schedule it. Um, so that's just the sessions. Then the tutorials are, are you know, are just even more in depth. So you have to think, are we covering what we want? So it's this combination of sort of, I guess, in a nutshell, um, kind of, you know, telling everybody about it, like putting together the program at, at like a very high level, explaining to everybody, you know, what that program's about, working to get people to put in, you know, content for the proposal uh, search, reviewing stuff, and then taking all that, seeing how it fits with that initial, um, initial vision, tweaking it how you think it needs to be tweaked, and then... Um, actually scheduling that. And at that point, you know, um, working with operations and figuring out, okay, where does this go? Where does this go? Big room, small room. And then of course, um, you know, continuing to let people know about it and then actually being sort of like the MC host at the event. Well, it makes sense for you to have a a background in, you know, in journalism and then being, you know, an editor uh, in an editorial, because that's, you know, a lot of what you're doing there is, is figuring out like what content, what, you know, what is it that, that makes sense from all of the work that you've done to, to gather the necessary topics for yep. the different tracks you have? And does it fit or does it not fit? Where does it fit? Wow, that's a that's a, a lot of work. It is. And it's funny that you said that because I actually found as I was, you know, it's daunting, 
right? I'm, I'm excited, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And it was very much to me, like what I had already been doing, you know, in my past, which was acquiring uh, books to fit into a larger program. And this just happened to be a heck of a lot of, of, of sort of programs together. Um, and in, you know, just in a session form, like forget about books. So right. it was kind of, so it, it spoke to me in that sort of like, I was like, oh, this is fun. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of instant. It was, you know, when you're working on a book, it's like, you have to work on this proposal and then reiterate, you know, iterate on that. And then this was sort of like an instantaneous, like I've got 1200 things to play with and figure out, you know? Um, so I really enjoyed it. I do enjoy it. And so we actually, at this point, um, we just put out the CFP for software architecture, which will be next year. So we've got that going. And then we actually, um, I had promised that we weren't going to basically rest on our laurels and, and keep, um, keep OzCon the same. So we just finished um, putting together the copy for the CFP for OzCon next year. And it's early because we're shifting it from July to May. And, um, and we just finished that. And so sneak preview of that is that um, some of the some of the tracks are the same. There's architecture and performance and some other things, but we're also shaking it up. And a couple of my favorite new tracks are uh, business of open source, which we'll talk about, um, yes. you know, like from startups to uh, enterprise, like what are best practices and how do you make sustainable open source? Um, open source 101 which basically is like you use open source. So how do you go from like user to contributor to creator, which I think will be really cool. And then my actual personal favorite that I created, which is going to be called in real life or IRL track, which is, which I really want to be uh, all about like successes and failures and stuff in between, but that like really happened to you because I think that's so insightful hearing what other people have gone through. Right. Either because you're like, oh, it's not just me. Or like, oh my God, I better not do that. Or I will do that. Or they really aren't that superhuman. They really are human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like people who the- just produce so much out there. You're like, I cannot keep up. I have a wife. I have children. I have a life outside of this thing called programming. And how do they do it? And you realize that people are actually a, a bit more human than, than you led yourself to believe their superhuman abilities. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I think that will be... I think that will be entertaining and educational. So it sounds like it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, introduce an awesome sponsor that makes this show possible. And when we come back, we're going to dive a little further into this discussion around OzCon and what's happening this year and, and just in general about open source around OzCon. So we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about TopTal several times on this podcast, but today is different. I've got a special treat for you. I went out and spoke with a listener who a year ago had never heard of TopTal. He listened to the show just like you're doing right here, right now today and heard us talk about TopTal and what they're all about. And he decided to get in touch. And now he's living the dream as a freelance software developer with TopTal. His name is Daniel Elzon. And I sat down and I talked with him. I said, hey, what is it that you love most about TopTal? Take a listen. Well, for me, the the thing about TopTal which I thought would be very hard for me personally as I transitioned to a more consulting role, uh, was the, the way I would have access to new clients and what quality of those would be. So I found that I've had access to 
awesome clients through TopTal, and it hasn't been that hard to find because they have a lot of choice. And even more than that, uh, there's enough choice, and I, I can actually be a little selective about what kinds of things I want to be working on. So I use that as a way to sort of hone my skills and you know, go towards the technology that I think are, are worth investing in for the future. So whether it's, you know, including new front-end frameworks or doing a little DevOps work on the side, I, I, I usually am able to find clients who are uh, have the needs of the things I want to get better at. So that's been that's been uh, truly useful. All right, that was Daniel Lazan, a listener of the Change Log, and also a freelance software developer with TopTal. If you want to follow in Daniel's footsteps. Go to toptal.com slash developers. That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot com slash developers to learn more about what TopTal is all about and tell them the changelog sent you. All right, we're back with Rachel and we are talking about OzCon. Now, Rachel, I would I would definitely say that this is a conference that the changelog should have been at long before now, but we have never had a, a personal presence at any O'Reilly OzCon. I'm, I'm pretty sad about that, but um, I hope to change that in the near future. But I'd love to dive a little further into your role there as a programming chair and, and what it's like to run this, it sounded like you said 10 or 15 track event. What's How many tracks does OzCon have? It is, well, this past year was 10, 10 tracks. Yep. Okay. And so when you say last last year, you mean Portland, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Portland 2015. And so Amsterdam uh, coming up here soon. Amsterdam is actually happening on the 26th and 28th uh, next month in October in, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. So how is this event different than the stateside version? That is a good question. Um, so first of all, we have to get you to whatever next OzCon you guys can make it to. We'd go to we'd go to Amsterdam if we could if it wasn't such a late notice. I mean, yes. we're not opposed to it. We we could do it, and I'm sure the everyone out there listening is like, yes. Could the next could the next season of Beyond Code be at the uh, the next OzCon? And I would say I, I would love that, but I I think it's gonna be next May to to be honest with you. Which but I would be love amazing to do as well. October. Well, either way, it's gonna be fun. I'm glad you're gonna be with us. Um. But yeah, so how is OzCon Amsterdam different? So as part of sort of evolving OzCon, it's um, so it will take some of what we've done with um, with OzCon 2015, which is changing the um, the way we construct the program from languages to basically problems and solutions. So you're going to see a lot of the same tracks. You're going to see um, data architecture. We're going to do a foundations track. Uh, we're going to do a collaboration and craft track like we did uh, at OzCon 2015. So I guess what I would say to put it in sort of a succinct uh, answer is that it's half of it's sort of like the best of um, OzCon uh, and sort of what I think we've seen from the U.S., uh, and then half of it is uh, people in Europe that are um, are from that continent talking about what they they have done with open source over the past uh, year or so. And so I wanted to make sure it was a mix. So you know it's an opportunity to bring over some of what we've been doing that people might not have a chance to see um, due to location. And then also obviously the audience is going to be. 
predominantly uh, European, I would guess. And so making sure it's not just like, hey, the Americans have come to tell us everything. Right. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. Actually incorporating some people from, yeah, well, one that stood out to me that was a past guest on the show was Curtis Poe. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, Pearl Six. Exactly. So yeah, which Pearl Six is going to be fascinating, anyways. I I hope to see that come out on time, uh, at the end of the year. But that's um, always next year, right? I I don't know. I had heard December, but (laughs) we'll see. So, um, but yeah. So so yeah. So obviously, you know, um, I don't. You know, with travel and the internet and everything, it's not like things are like super different all over the world. But you know, there are definitely shades of difference in how I think open source is used, and um, and most notably, you know, that uh, it's used. I think just as sort of like a de facto standard in uh, government. It seems like much more over in Europe, um, and then that the security and privacy and identity stuff is a little bit further along, it seems like, or the expectations of what people want and and what companies can do is much different uh, than the U.S. And the final thing I noticed was that just due to it being different countries, different languages, um, that's much more fragmented. So uh, it's really interesting. I, I've learned a lot about it in the past uh, few months, and I'm continuing to do so. So I think it will be a good a good mix. I mean, there's certain, like Docker is just like, you could say that anywhere. I feel like people will be like, Oh yeah, tell me about it. Uh, yeah, anytime then, we have Docker, um, listed in our email, it's our change weekly email on Saturdays. It, it tends to get not the most, but definitely a lot more clicks than, than, you know, something that's not Docker, for example. Yes. So and I think the point that people are at with Docker particularly is like, is not that how awesome it is. It's like, how can I actually use how awesome it is? And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people are. Is like, does it really make sense for me? And there's some places where it does in a developer standpoint. There's some places a, in a, you know, in a contiguous deliveries workflow that you want to make sure that, you know, that Docker is a part of that. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah, it's funny because, you know, we, I talk to a lot of people that create the content and then I talk to people that attend conferences and that's a very small percentage of the developers out there. And so it's funny, I talk about, you know, Docker every day and microservices. And I try to remember that people are at different points depending on what they're working on. And so Docker could be new to a lot of people still. And like you're saying, they're just figuring out, like they've heard about it maybe. They're figuring out how to actually incorporate that into their workflow. And um, like I said, in a variety of different ways, we're trying to figure out um, how we can let people know that. And then, I mean, that's just, that's a tool that talks about, you know, the much bigger change that is sort of DevOps and continuous integration um, that is happening. That's one of the biggest, the last couple OzCons, um, you know, Docker, uh, Kubernetes, CoreOS, uh, distributed systems, that whole thing uh, has been one of the most popular things or anything that has to do with them is one of the most popular things um, that we've had recently at our events. And like you said, it, you know, and it spans from developers to operations people. Yeah. That line has just totally been blurred. I think the the breakthrough with that too is that uh, is that people have started to realize how much they can do on the operations side to really support the newer applications that need to be developed for scale. And yes. it, it's such an interesting thing that uh, has come out of Google with Kubernetes and ultimately the collaboration with CoreOS and, you know, being a containerized based 
operating system. I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space that people just cannot help but pay attention to because there's just so much new and inventiveness coming. Whereas in other areas, not that they're not new and inventing, but there's a lot of new happening there every single day. Yeah, and it's funny because then you'll find the person that's like, containers have been around forever. And you're like, okay, but um, this time, you know, it, it seems like for whatever reason, right. they've gotten people's attention. And I think that there's, I think that the popularity too is that, you know, you could be um, working on a bunch of different type of projects and this sort of change of culture and, and, tool set and the idea that you know it's all the cloud and that you don't just like throw your project over the wall to operations is just a massive change for a lot of people and i don't think it's just like oh we're there now you know it's something that's going to continue to go on i mean you know we talked about software architecture that uh and and that's one of the things i like hear constantly is um you know, microservices. Like, I can't imagine that, like, everyone, you know, six months ago was like, oh, let's close down the monolithic architecture we have and let's just do microservices. It's cool, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're just right. going to get rid of everything that we've had. So, so it's interesting. So, I think it fits into different. It's got to be tough, companies. too, doing the kind of conference you have because you have to be so wide. Yes. I almost feel the same pain we feel here at the Chino because we're not like, uh, we're not Ruby change log or Go change yeah, log or yeah. Kubernetes change log. It's like we're, you know, we're interested in open source. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's the same mission of OzCon and larger part of O'Reilly's mission is open yep. source software development. And we've been advocates for that for, you know, many, many years. And that's what we eat and breathe every single day. That doesn't mean we camp out in Python. doesn't mean we camp out in Ruby too long. It means that we look at open source holistically and even us, we have a, we have the same trouble because we have four shows a month, basically, mm-hmm. you know, one show a week. And we want to stay on the edge, but we also want to serve things that are timeless and timely even. Mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult to choose the path of our own editorial because um, just because there's so much, there's so much going on out there. Yeah, I, I do feel your pain. And I think, I guess the way I look at it is that we have sort of... We, you have to pick some focuses where you go deeper in than others, where you think um, you can make the most impression, I guess. And so that change, that distributed developer tool system and um, those changes that come from that, uh, all the way from architecture down to, um, you know, how operations has changed. That's something I think that we see as important. And there's a lot there to figure out. Um you know, I was just it's funny because I was just mapping out sort of like our products for the rest of the year. And I can see, you know, we choose to focus on certain things. So I can see that for the rest of the year, we're focusing on architecture and branching off of that. We're focusing on a lot of um, Java specifically in that. And then we're also focusing on Python. You know, we weren't focusing so much on C, for instance, which is still out there a lot. Um, you know, and so it makes me think. So one of the things I will be thinking about is, you know, do we want to do more in C? If we do, why do we want to do that? You know, the IoT sort of explosion, does that necessitate people getting back into that? Is that going to be exciting? Or like Linux, for instance, you know, you see a lot of times people um, on, uh, what do you call it? People looking for jobs, they're like, okay, you need to know Linux. And, you know, does everybody know that still? 
uh, do we need to do refreshers on some of our content for Linux basics? Do you need, how much do you need to know about that for, to use Docker or CoreOS? Um, so I think you have to make some choices and I think you have to continually be watching in front of you for what's next. And then, and this goes back to back in the day when I would, um, really focus on books. You I kind of broke it up into three pieces. One was sort of like those evergreen things like, um, I don't know, computer architecture, like the basics of that, right? Uh, and then sort of the more, the things that change, like say maybe a language, which changes versions. And then the stuff that really is like super cutting edge and they're gonna change it in three months. And so with that, hopefully there's some sort of like churn, but there's still that backbone that generally doesn't change all that much. Although I feel like that's kind of actually changing now too. But, um, but you know, so a combination of like, I don't know, algorithms plus um, Rust is coming out plus, and these have nothing to do with each other, but, um, you know, Selenium has come out with this newest thing. So I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's funny that you say that because it's kind of like, I think you're certainly informed by facts and by people. And then I think you have to like throw it in your head and, and think about what has worked. I mean, it certainly has a lot to do with the past and talking with people, but then it Something, I don't know, some pattern emerges in my brain that I'm like, this is it. <laughs> well, it's, I'm sure it's got to be tough putting on a large conference like OzCon. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if how much of the history of the conference that did you go into or did you learn about to kind of figure out where you can go with it? Because I think it's a 10-year-old conference. I can't remember the exact timing it, of it, but I'm trying to hoping, hoping you can piece it together yeah, for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to say it was 18 years this year. Okay. Um, wow. So it's a long time. Yeah. It was um a couple years after so after sort of like the concept of open source specifically came out. And it really I, I think either at that time started as like a Perl conference. And so you could definitely see that um still running through it even today. Um and so because it started as that, it was, you know, heavy in Perl. And, and then I think it opened up the way it opened up with the tracks and the languages. And this is all conjecture by me because it wasn't there, but it seems to me that, you know, they were like, Oh, Python's caught on Java's caught on, you know what I mean? And, and sort of right. did it like that. And I have actually, before this year, I think I'd been to three OzCon. So I, I had, you know, been there and seen what it was like and, um, you know, recognize that it brings together a lot of different communities and that there's, you know, along with the sessions, there's a very healthy sort of hallway track. And one of the first things I came away with was the idea that, you know, it's cool to see some, um, you know, guy that's been doing Perl for a super long time talking to someone else about, you know, that's new to JavaScript or something like that. And, and what can you learn from that conversation? Um, and that's what I really liked about OzCon. And so the breadth of it, I think, is important and, and, and more so because I don't think necessarily um, software engineers define themselves by language anymore. I think no. you could certainly have your favorites or maybe something you're working on now. But I think people, they, um, you know, engineers generally know more than one language uh, and pick depending on the project. So I think that combined with seeing like the actual need for that combined with seeing that like that was actually a cool thing for people to talk to, you know, people that were doing completely different things was sort of like that base layer of like, this is what OzCon's about. Yeah. And then something similar yeah. here with this podcast too, whenever 
someone's like a fan of the changelog, for example, and they know that we try our best to cover, you know, really interesting topics. We don't just sort of just, you know, do whatever. We really try to focus on what matters today. And we have people who listen to the show and give us feedback and say, well, I, you know, even though I'm a programmer in this language, I still listen to the shows that are like on WordPress, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was uh, a recent show I got that feedback from. It was like, and PHP and WordPress and where that's going because it's very interesting to hear the problems they're solving. Even though I'm not playing with that language, it's still interesting to me because I'm I'm getting a peek behind somebody else's veil of what they're doing and what's interesting to them and how things that my language or languages I'm interested in have played into effects in their languages. Sure. And so you sort of see this cross-pollination, this cross-effect from language to language, camp to camp, and it's an interesting tale to, to sort of like watch and, and pay attention to. Yeah, it just makes you, it makes you think, honestly. And, and so when I was putting together OzCon 2, I, you know, I realized, to, you know, you layer on the open source part of it. And I was realizing when we were putting together the program that that was almost everything, which is really cool. Right. Because I feel like OzCon has had a piece of that. So, you know, my first thought was like, awesome. It's basically just like everything. But that's not completely true. I mean, so I think as much as open source is one, there's still work to be done to make sure that it stays healthy, I guess, and sustainable. And so layering that on top and making sure that the people that have been there for years who it's been a passion for them to make this happen and who have helped make like today happen is because of them to make sure that they're given a platform to talk about the history, how they got there, why they, you know, they decided to go down this path, but also on the other side, and this is, I think really important is that the people that are new to it and have new and crazy ideas are able to voice those and then talk to the people that have been in it for 20 years and maybe change their mind. Or not. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's the diversity is a really important piece of it. And there were some things that I did that I think were hard choices. Uh, you know, I de-emphasized Pearl. Um, Pearl is still interesting. We were talking about Pearl 6. That's going to be wild, you know, when that comes out. Um, Pearl is still out there and used. Probably not the most, you know the most used language anymore. Um, and there's lots of other things to be done. And, and sometimes Perl isn't the biggest, um, isn't the tool, isn't the language to be used. And so I had, I made the choice to de-emphasize that a little bit. And I think that was probably not super popular, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I feel right. like, I don't know, you know, so, you know, we make changes. And then the other thing too, is like, if we made a change this year that didn't seem to go over well, I'm going to change it again. And that's what I mean. Like, we'll just continuously change. And I think that's the important thing. Like, obviously, you know, this last one was a good success. Um, But that doesn't mean we're just going to, like, do nothing. You know what I mean? So it keeps changing. Like, um, yeah, so, like, the distributed thing. I mean, that I know I keep going back to that. That's a big deal. Security for developers. Is that something? I mean, that's been a problem for a really long time. But, like, when does it become... You know, instead of reacting the to it. The most interesting thing to, to have, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So how do you get people to actually be like, I'm starting a project. What about the security? And maybe some people do. I don't know. You know what I mean? In finance, that's something that is a first level concern. Um, I don't know. But, you know, so so that and the community, I don't know. It's, it's honestly, it's an honor for me to be a part of it. Um, and I'm so glad 
that they didn't kick me out after this year. So. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad yeah. too, because I mean, I think you're doing some really great work. And I think it sounded like what you were saying was that the the way your tracks have changed from before to this year, you kind of made some more influential changes to the way you've done your tracks and the way you've you know architected the the different talks that can go on and whatnot. So that was a big, big change this year. What I'm curious of, though, is... Um, is for those who have never been to an OzCon or for those who um, aspire to go to one, because let's face it, it's not the most inexpensive event. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't always have uh, the money to go or have, you know, your employer's backing or your the startup you're working at doesn't is not making sure. enough money yet, so you can't go for it. So for whatever reason, you know, why why should someone who's out there in the open source world building products every day or building software every day um what is it about OzCon that's that should bring them there versus, let's say, regional conferences that are a bit more specific to their interests? Mm-hmm. Why should they come to something like OzCon? What is it that, that OzCon delivers for the masses and, and the open source world? Well, I think it goes back to a little bit of what we talked about. I think it's a combination of being able to see such a wide array of content and having that inform what you're doing. And then the group of people that it brings together, I think, is fantastic i mean it's like i said like it's you know um people that created the projects or it's um you know this year we're gonna try i believe we're gonna try and do um basically like a triage which is you know we'll bring we'll have like open source projects and then you can actually go in and fix problems or add things so i i think it's the place to go to get a full picture of what's going on and to talk to a wide variety of people that are actually like in there creating the projects, uh, updating them. And those are the people that are speaking. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It brings people together. You know what I mean? Like generally in a local meetup, it will be, you know, if you happen to live near the people that are creating the projects, that's fantastic. They'll probably go to the local meetups. This one just seems to be like, sort of like the festival for the year where everyone's like, I'm definitely going to that one. You know right. what I mean? So I think that the the um, the breadth of people that are there are great, and and what's great for us is that a lot of those people uh, are the ones that that put in the proposals, and um, I just think it ends up being a great event. Like I said, a combination of the people and the content that we put together, and and hopefully, you know, as we've been talking, we're we're trying to be very thoughtful. You know, we have a view of the entire uh, software engineering world. And, and I'm sure there's lots of people out there that put together the meetups and they're great and there's other conferences and those are great. But we really think that we're putting together, um, you know, a full sort of event that is a reflection of what is happening with best practices and what you should be focusing on. And, you know, like I would say like, yeah, you should come to OzCon over something else because you know, I put it together right. and I'm thinking these are the important things you need to be looking at. So... Well, also when it comes to uh, to Oscon, I mean, you have several locations to like. It was in Portland last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, back stateside, it's going to be in Austin, which I'm excited about because I'm a Houston native. So that means it's nice. just a two and a half hour drive for me, which makes it a lot more easier for me to get to Oscon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also have, you know, your European track versions of it. Is this the first time it's been? Um, in Amsterdam, or is it is that the first for this conference? So we did do, uh, and I should have looked this up, but we did do a European conference, um, an OzCon conference back in, I believe it was 2008, and I 
I am not completely sure where that was exactly, but somewhere in Europe. And um, so this is the first one back to Europe then. Yes. It's since since 2008. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, so, you know, there's shades of different, um, you know, how people are using open source in in different areas. And, um, you know, going over there and hearing the different stories is really interesting. And, and I think recognizing that there is a little bit of a regionality to things that, you know, it is hard, obviously, if you're in Europe, going all the way to Portland, Oregon is quite a trip. Right. And so, um, you know, going somewhere where it is easier for someone from Germany to hop over to Amsterdam. Um, you know, when we when we look at the stats, uh, and this is why we're going to Austin, too. When we look at the stats, you know, 20% of the people, I don't know, that's kind of, you know, that's an average, come from, you know, generally that area. And so the idea of, you know, Portland is, I love Portland. Portland's been amazing to us. They've been a part of growing the open source movement. Um, I'm sure we'll be back there. But like giving, you know, kind of going to like middle America and being like, hey, everybody, what are you guys doing? Come and talk to us. You know what I mean? Um, so right. same idea with Amsterdam. So, I mean, I'd love to in future see us in other other spots around the globe as well. And I think literally that is about, you know, again, there's shades of open source that are different in different areas and, and there can be different focuses. But I think it's about getting there. <laughs> Um, and still having that sort of um, that flavor that OzCon has about like, this is our view, you know, these are the people that, you know, you should be talking to, get inspired by, learn from. Well, cool. Let's let's take that chance then to pause one more time when we come back. We're going to talk a bit more about your influence in open source through this staple of a conference, OzCon. Uh, so let's break. We'll be right back. DigitalOcean has expanded their reach even further into Canada's startup and developer scene with the launch of Tor1, that's T-O-R-1, their first Canadian data center in Toronto. Head to digitalocean.com and use the code CHANGELOG to get a $10 hosting credit when you sign up. Again, digitalocean.com, use the code CHANGELOG to get a $10 hosting credit when you sign up. All right, we're still here with Rachel. We're talking about OzCon and... You know, like I've said before, Rachel, I've been a huge fan of O'Reilly for what seems like forever. As far as I can think back in my entire history of, of software development, it's always O'Reilly's always been there with a book or with a blog, you know, or a podcast or even Ignite, for example, which is like mm -hmm. you're not traditional OzCon or you're not traditional conference that you're putting on through O'Reilly. That's a really interesting, uh, interesting conference itself, Ignite. Mm -hmm. But you know, this OSCON has, has served the open source community for, it seems like, 18 years now, if we go back in its time. This year, you've been making some changes. Um, well, actually, last year, but this year mm -hmm. kind of as a continuous, but mm -hmm. um, to the tracks and always evolving. And it seems like it seems like the place to be, like you said, the festival of open source. And this is your first year going back to, to Europe. So that's definitely a good thing to be back in, uh, in the European areas. What do you expect from this year's conference? Like what, now that you've got it laid out, it's a month away, basically. Mm -hmm. What are you expecting? What are your anticipations for the European world to, to sort of come into, you know, into Amsterdam and come to this conference? What are you expecting for this, uh, this year? I think, I think from what I've seen and what I've heard from people so far, um, like I said, so open source is kind of not a story in and of itself. I feel like in Europe anymore, I feel like it's like, yeah, we use open source. What? Um, I feel like it's more going to be a combination, like the stories I'm looking forward to are um, 
the sort of privacy stuff that's going on and how that, um, how you deal with that as a software engineer, um, how does that affect, uh, you know, your company and, um, and what you're doing, you know, from like your, you know, line of code to like return on investment of, of projects. So that's something I'm really interested in because I feel like we're in a very different place, um, from that. And then what I've really been hearing a lot about is, um, the startups that are happening over in, in Europe. When I first started looking at Sounded Lake, Berlin was a really big startup, uh, area, which I think it is, but it seems to me that Amsterdam, um, has its fair share of startups and I've been reading up on that. So I kind of want to see what that, what the startup scene is like over in Europe and, and if it's different, you know, the further you get from Silicon Valley, uh, you know, how much does it change? And, um, you know, because of, you know, is a different culturally, um, you know, is, you know, open source is used, but how do they think of it as far as, you know, is it just something free they can use? Do they really look at it as, you know, the, the open source community will help them as they get started? I think that's really fascinating. I'm, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, how are people getting into, into open source over there? Uh, again, is it something, you know, do they have, a uh, an amazing amount of engineers that are that are out there and using it do they do they have um you know do they do they do the same things i guess do they have the same best practices is it you know um do they have the same stories that we have where they're like javascript there's like seven million frameworks which one do we use you know <laughs> right. i don't know so um i'm really interested in that and i know that they're like i know raspberry pi started over there for um maybe not for education, but is used a lot in education in the UK, for instance. And how is that different? And, and do they think, you know, that's going to change the face of their workforce, you know, in, in 10, 15 years. So I do think there's a, there's stuff that's going to be different over there. And I do, I, I guess I'm most interested in the startup thing. So that, that to me, I want to see, you know, now that you're across the world, like, what's that like? Cause I feel like there's a certain culture certainly in, in Silicon Valley and that it just, I don't know, does that sort of like peter out as you get further away? It'll be interesting. Right. How does open source change? You know, I, I think everybody kind of thinks that Silicon Valley, San Francisco is the epicenter of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all software development. It is the largest e-commerce area, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think it gets a lot of credit for a lot of founding things and for good reasons. And mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways when you're there, you're like, uh, you know, no matter where you go, you're going to run into somebody that's an entrepreneur, Absolutely. somebody that's, that's got an idea for an app, somebody that's, that's building an app, somebody that's building a business. You know, you're very much in the mix constantly. And the further you get away from that, you're wondering how how consistent is that to be the norm for, mm -hmm. for, for towns, you know, and for cities. Yeah, and like, I think that you find yeah. it's not the case. Yeah, like you go to San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley and it's like, it's exciting and it's all up in your face and it's like Google's here and Apple's here. And, you know, um, how, you know, obviously people get excited elsewhere. So like, what's that like in Europe? Do you know what I mean? What are the, you know, obviously I'm sure they, they look at Apple and Google, but what are the local companies that they look at? I mean, one, um, I heard some cool stuff about booking.com. They're going to, we're going to have one of their engineers talking, uh, in the keynote about how they're constantly doing this AB testing with, um, with their site. And I think I heard that, you know, like a lot of it doesn't work. So I don't know, like constantly checking their, um, their 
what they think is going to happen and seeing if it if it works or if it doesn't work. And then we're going to talk to some growth hackers. So I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening over there. And I guess I want to make sure that we um, unearth that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, how much how much does the geography play in, play a part in this? Like, how difficult is it to plan not just the content, but the event itself being so far away? Like, this is the first year back into the European area. So yep. how much of a trouble is it you and the other chairs to, to deal with the fact that it's not, you know, close to your backyard well the good news for me is that we have an operations team that is excellent and they're the ones that have to deal unfortunately with a lot of the sort of the the distance um to get things there to work with the um the people on site before we get there you know um i know for instance i think they're getting ready to like ship out whatever stuff we need out there now so it's a month ahead of time they're already thinking about that um it's interesting, I think, you know, there's there's not as many huge places over there to have conferences. Um, so that's, you know, you have to figure out where to have something. And then something I think that affected us all is figuring out where where to have something. You know, for us, I think it came down to uh, Berlin, London, and Amsterdam. It's hard, though, you know, like from afar, figuring out, you know, where do we want to, who has the space for us, what's the, what's the tech world like in, the, in that immediate area. Um, you know, do they want a conference that's, um, in the English language? It's, it, it's definitely more complex. I mean, I think it's just when you, whenever you like cross the border, you're like, oh my God, I'm in another country. Um, and then, yeah, you know, figuring out, you know, obviously we, like I said, there's some things that are global, I think, but then figuring out, you know, what things are, um, local to Europe and to Amsterdam and, and trying to figure out that balance between sort of, um, you know, what's generally going on and what's really going to speak to the people uh, locally. I always find it interesting to try and think about something so far away. And then obviously you got the language barriers and you got mm -hmm. different things and you got opinions about languages, not only in the technical space, but also in the physical space where you're mm -hmm. trying to communicate through a language. Um, that was yeah. funny, actually. One funny little tidbit I can tell you is that for whatever reason, we got many more uh, proposals on Ruby. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know what that means exactly, but Ruby's there, popular in there. You in have Amsterdam. it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Ruby's big there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm always fascinated by how much effort it takes to produce a conference. Like, for example, uh, Jared Santa, the co-host of the show, was just uh, an organizer of a small regional conference in. Uh, in Nebraska, in Omaha, and mm -hmm. a little thing like that, and I guess you could also say they're all new at it too, because it was the first year any of them had ever done any of that. Mm -hmm. um, but how much work it is to produce a conference, not only just like to program like you all have, but all the logistics, all mm -hmm. the operations. It's so much work, and uh, and you're just like at the end, you're just wondering, will it work? Does it work out? And I guess you do have the OSCON history behind you, so you can say, you know, without a without a doubt, yes, right. that it has worked out. But nonetheless, you're like, so much work, so many people involved, and in uh, such a big event to plan. I can't even imagine being in your shoes. Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, like I said, it's not just like on site. I mean, we started, you know, planning for next year, like almost immediately. And yeah, I mean, can you imagine like, just like figuring out the registration or like how to feed yeah. people? Um I agree. It's quite something. And, and I have to say, I'm proud of, of the, 
the events that we have. Because um, I'm sure like everyone, we've been to ones that, you know, are great and aren't so great. And there's many great ones outside of us too. But yeah, it's um, it's something. I mean, I know I was very proud after we, we finished OzCon uh, 2015. So Maybe that's something you guys can do in terms of education is let the world in on your secrets of running a big conference like that or how to produce yeah. a conference. Because that's... You see a lot more, like you said, meetup groups turn into into basically small conferences, mm-hmm. yeah, regional absolutely. conferences, and those things only affect the big things anyway. So the more of those there are, the the more big things there are going to be, like OzCon, for example. So mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of cool um, local conferences that have like blown up to 1,500. That's a lot of people. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and, it's, yeah. We were just at GopherCon in Denver, mm-hmm. yep. and I couldn't believe it that there were that many people yeah like doubled yeah it was yeah it was exactly it went from like 700 to like 12 or 1300 people really easily yeah and there's i say really easily but to eric and brian it wasn't very no i'm sure and you know and it's interesting i know so i was at the first one and uh you know it was single track and then i saw i think on this year it was single track again yeah it was single track again. Yeah, yeah so that's interesting i mean that's the choice they have to make like so i wonder like i'm sure they're already thinking do we do single track again do we split it up do we have it at the same spot? Uh, you know, what was popular? What wasn't? Um, so it's it's a lot. It's It always seems to, like with the CFP, I was like, oh, my God, it's already due. How is that possible? Because, you know, it's we do a lot of different things here. But um, it's exciting. It's it's fun to do. It's, it's a lot of work. But, you know, when you're actually at the event, it's cool to be able to pay off of that work is really cool. Let's take one final break. We'll uh, we'll tail out the show. I know there was probably not much of a gap between the last break and this break, so I apologize about that. We got a, a time limit to, to kind of hit here, though. But let's break. We'll do our some of our closing questions for Rachel, and uh, and look forward to the next Ozcon. So we'll be right back. Imagix is a real-time image processing proxy in CDN. And let me tell you, this is way more than image magic running on EC2. This is way better. It's everything your friend and developers have dreamt of. Output to PNG, JPEG, GIF, JPEG 2000, and several other formats. And if you're like me, you've ever argued with your boss or a teammate about serving retina images to non-retina devices, You'll appreciate their open source dependency-free JavaScript library that allows you to easily use the ImageX API to make your images responsive to any device. Now, all of this takes a platform, and the ImageX platform is built on three core values, flexibility and quality, performance, and affordability. When it comes to flexibility and quality, ImageX has over 90 URL parameters that you can mix and match to provide an unlimited amount of transformations that you need for your images. And they take quality very seriously. And because of their commitment to quality, several top 1,000 websites in the world trust them to serve their images. Now, when it comes to performance, Imagix operates out of data centers filled with top-of-the-line Mac Pros and Mac Minis, and they're set up for a completely streaming solution. This means your images never hit the disk. Images are served by the best SSD-based CDN for delivery around the world anywhere extremely fast. And while we're talking about speed, almost all the image processing happens on GPUs. This means transformations are super fast when compared to competing virtualized environments. And lastly, it's all about affordability. Everyone wants to save a buck. That's how the world works. 
Because Imagix processes close to a billion with a B images per day, they're able to make certain optimizations at scale and pass those savings on to you. To learn more about Imagix and what they're all about, head to imgix.com slash changelog. Once again, imgix.com slash changelog and tell them Adam from the changelog sent you. All right, we are back with Rachel and Rachel, I'm excited because I think I've learned quite a bit about you, uh, learned quite a bit about O'Reilly and, and this really awesome conference, OzCon, and it's just so exciting to see, you know, such a staple of a conference keep going year after year after year and, and then not even being so into itself that it's humble enough to say, well, we can change and we can even change up our tracks this year and morph and iterate for the community. And, and I, I think that's just really interesting the way that uh, y'all put this conference on and what a big deal it is to, to serve the open source community as you have for so many years. So kudos on that part for sure. Thank but you. Um, some closing questions we have, um, I think are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I figured no matter who you are, you've got to have a programming hero. So it's somebody that's, influence you influence your writing influence your team um your program yourself so what is it uh who is your who is your programming hero i guess the easiest way to ask the question because the easiest way to ask the question um that's that's a good question i guess the first person that comes to mind and i don't know if this is completely because of programming but is um guido van rossum from you know creating python and i think python's awesome it's um it's simple but what i think i don't know this might be a couple but I, the community around python is just so amazingly wonderful and i can't help but think that while guido is obviously a great uh programmer he's created a community around uh that language that is welcoming and uh you know continues to move that language uh forward i think in great ways and um yeah that's that's the first person because you you know you mentioned that before and that's the first person that came to mind so the person's name is again guido van rossum guido van rossum mm-hmm. i'll have to get the show notes link for that one. Oh yeah no i yeah unless you know the url by by uh just off the top of your head i don't or a twitter but, handle or something anything. i don't know i might be able to well no I, I will get that to you so maybe we can like pop that in there okay and I guess for someone like you, you've got to listen to some podcasts. So I'm sure you listen to the Changelog, right? And Obviously. you listen to O'Reilly Radar. Yep. Uh, but what other podcasts out there do you keep track of that help inform you and your team and the things that you're working on at O'Reilly? So the one that I found most recently was uh, Cloudcast. Actually, um, you know, we were looking at podcasts recently just to see sort of what... Um, what was going on and because I had been out of it a little bit. Uh, Cloudcast just seemed to have a lot of cool people on that were, were talking about technology in in a bunch of different ways. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, the tech guy, I don't know. I kind of like the ones that are general, I guess, because I, because OzCon is so, so general. So I like the tech guy, there's the wired podcast stuff. Um, and, and, and I came across your podcast rather recently and was like, this looks really great. Um, because again, because it had so many different, um, 
languages and frameworks and people. So, um, so that's kind of what I look for. So, um, diversity. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been looking for. I mean, there, there's other ones that are specific that are great, but sort of, um, where I'm at right now, sort of in my career, I need to know, um, a bunch about a bunch of different things. <laughs> so I try to figure out where best to get that. And then when I need to drill down, I'll try and drill down. Interesting. So yeah. I guess then uh, the only other question I think might be pretty interesting to ask you is, is uh, an open source radar. When it comes to software development, open source, what's interesting out there that if you had a weekend to look into or play with or talk to a community, who would that, who would that be? Yeah. So it's interesting. So, I think two of the things I'm really looking at right now are um, the idea of reactive uh, programming. So that's really interesting to me. And, and specifically, um, React.js seems really interesting. I kind of want to delve into that. That's something I would definitely like to look into. Um, and then also, I, I guess, you know, as part of that, sort of like the whole microservices world, um, there's no open source frameworks for that right now. Um, there's, I guess I was talking to uh, some people and I guess there's some, you know, for pay ones, but I was like, no way, not open source. Um, so looking into, I know we're, we're working on something microservices in Go, which is really awesome. Go is also a really cool, cool area that I want to look into. I really like emerging languages. I love the idea of, you know, like Java is awesome. It's been around forever. Mm hmm. And it will be around because there's so much, you know, so many programs that are created in it. But, you know, now that it couldn't be what it like, if you were creating a language today, it would be much different because it's just the technology is much different. So I love, you know, finding out about Go and Rust and, and some of the other uh, languages, you know, like Kotlin and Elm and, and Elixir. I mean, those are just, that's fascinating to me as far as that. And then... Uh, and which are all um, open source, obviously. And then the other piece of open source that I've really been kind of digging into is, so like I said, we, you know, we've won. Open source is, you know, basically everything. So that doesn't mean we can be like, fantastic. You know, like, wh how are these, um, you know, how are enterprises working with open source internally? And how are they putting together projects and working with, um individuals and like what's cloud foundry doing and 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 what's OpenStack doing and and sort of figuring out what they're doing and then you know what are the best practices how is that influencing the open source community i i don't completely know yet that's something i'm going to be looking at for the next OzCon. um yeah so that's that's really interesting to me and the idea that we can't kind of leave open source without someone at the helm or a bunch of people, I guess, right? If it's open source. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily, you know, I kind of want to be up there like, where are we going, everybody? Oh, okay, cool. You know, let, you know, right. and, and maybe, you know, giving, you know, a little opinion every now and then, but um, trying to, to figure that out, I guess, and, and have OzCon be a part of that. So well, I know that you mentioned Go and you mentioned microservices. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently, I don't know if you've ran into this fellow or not, uh, but he actually is in Berlin. Um, Peter Bergon. He, mm, no, I don't know him. He uh, he's, he was on the show um, and he also spoke at GopherCon, but it was July 3rd. He was on the show, episode 163. I'll link to that in the show notes for the listeners. Um, but we talked heavily about microservices in Go. Mm using his um, open source 
I guess kit would be the easiest way to oh, describe cool. it, but it's called Go Kit. So when, Ooh, I'll have uh, to look into it. When you think about Go, when you think about uh, distributed services and microservices, then uh, or distributed systems, I should say, mm-hmm. then uh, Go Kit is an interesting library. And Peter Bergan is a really good speaker on it. We had him on actually season three of Beyond Code. He'll be in that with GopherCon, and he was on a recent episode and gave a talk at GopherCon too. So. That you think about that. That's an interesting fellow to, to talk to. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Sure. That's really interesting. And Go, Go is interesting anyways because it was sort of like built for this distributed systems. But yeah, I'm definitely going to, um, I'll actually reach out to that guy. Yeah. That's really Peter's cool. awesome. Fan of the show and, uh, you know, good, all around good guy, you know. Can't can't go wrong with Peter. He's nice. a good guy. Cool. Um, but that that does wrap up what I was thinking of for the show, Rachel. Is there anything else that uh, that you wanted to add to, to the end here? I would add one thing. Okay. Um. Basically, I want to hear from you. When we put OzCon together or any of our content together, it only gets better if we know what sort of information you need. If you have something that you think people need to hear, we'll work with you and see if that's that's something that we believe in. So, for instance, um, software architecture call for proposals is open. So I want to hear from you know people. Um, and OzCon will be open in a couple of weeks. So. I guess I just want people to be involved and know that we are, we want to hear different voices and new voices. Um, and so definitely get in touch with us in some way. What's the best way to go about getting in touch with, let's say specifically those two conferences or any, uh, what is the best way to reach out? Would it be you or would it be someone else? Uh, so the best way for the conferences truly, I mean, I'm, I'm on, um, on Twitter. So I can answer questions on there, certainly. And we can put that, I suppose, in the show notes, right? Yeah, My we'll Twitter handle. For sure. um, but going to the CFP, we, we do put a lot of copy in that saying what we're looking for. And then that is how we intake all of the proposals. Um, if you have another idea, there is, I want to just, I'm looking this up as we speak. I think there's a work with us email for O'Reilly. It's literally like work with us at O'Reilly. And I'm looking that up right now, if it comes up really quickly. Yeah, there's a work with us page. Um, It's literally work with us at O'Reilly.com. So that's a good way to sort of come in. Um, The person that sits next to me mans that and, um, you know, and and it it will get thrown to the right person. So that's the best general way to do it. And if you are at one of our events, please come up and speak to me uh, or one of my colleagues, depending on the event. Um, we, like I said, I mean, like I, our program is only as good as sort of the information that we gather and the people that we work with externally. It's, it's an interesting sort of system for a business because our network uh, makes us so much stronger. So those are awesome. the best ways. Well, cool. Well, Rachel, it was, uh, it was definitely a pleasure to have you on the here on this show was great to kind of hear all about the ways that open source has changed over the years and just the ways that uh, O'Reilly's conference has changed over the years and even your, your new work in Portland and then now in Amsterdam and the work you're doing for the future conferences is really great to hear about and just being so open. I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. So we'll put your Twitter in, in, uh, in the show notes. Um, if you're not familiar, there's a site called O'Reilly.com O R e-i-l-l-y.com go there tons of information books conferences videos podcasts uh you name it and rachel and team are there uh and if you're interested about oscon oscon.com that's where you can find that conference and right now the homepage is focused on the european version of it so it Rachel, is, you yep. mentioned in a couple weeks the yes. cfps will open up for 
yeah. uh, here in Austin. So something the, will change on the front page, right? Yeah, the, it should be the first full week of October. It should be up there. Okay. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. We, uh, For those who listen to this show weekly know that we have uh, something new out. It's called Beyond Code. If you go to beyondcode.tv, that is our brief interview series that we shoot only at conferences after parties. So sometime soon you might actually see us uh, releasing a, a season from MozCon here in Austin. So we'll be excited about that to, to get those who come out to that uh, that conference to to share what they think about uh, open source software development and everything we cover here at the changelog. And we also have two emails, changelog weekly and changelog nightly go to changelog.com slash weekly or changelog.com slash nightly to subscribe to those super awesome emails. And uh, Rachel, I don't know if you subscribe to those, but for me, I, I do, do actually. obviously. You, you, so you subscribe to those emails. I do. Yes. Fantastic. And they're always informing me on what's fresh and what's new and uh a show we're about to put out today actually was informed by uh that a recent recent episode was also informed by our email so if you're not tracking with those emails you've got to check them out make sure you do so but uh that's all i wanted to cover in this show rachel so at this time let's uh, let's say goodbye it was a pleasure thanks so much thank you rachel